Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Subspace Communiques Life After Trek. I'm your host, Chris, or Captain Pike, and with me, as always, is... Charity, or a.k.a. Crewman Becky. Or as we like to call her, Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So tonight's show is a little different than our normal interview. Uh, not that we're not talking to someone who's involved with Star Trek, being Larry Nimichak, uh, but we're here to actually talk about his new documentary that's in the works called The Con of Wrath. Um, I don't want to give too much details right now because Larry's going to talk about it a lot in the show and give us tons of great stuff on the inside of, of this convention that he's going to be uh, creating the documentary about. But we thoroughly enjoyed recording this interview, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, so stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Tonight's actually a special, a special episode of Life After Trek. Um, we're actually here with Larry Nimichak. I've hijacked the show. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Larry was our second guest, um, so we love having him back as much as possible just because he supported the show from the beginning. Uh, but we're actually well, here when, to... when you're number two, you try harder. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I am not even going to touch that. Okay, so we're, we're here tonight to talk about The Con of Wrath, Larry's new documentary series. And actually, I'm not going to say a bunch about it because I want Larry to kind of explain what The Con of Wrath is all about. So if you, if you could just kind of give the... The viewer or the listeners, I almost said viewers, the listeners are a primer about the con of wrath. Well, I'll paint a word picture. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is uh, I, I, from the magazine days, from the communicator and all that. We, I realized we should start laying down our fan history uh, for people to remember it. And uh, something that I was actually a little piece of as a goer was uh, the hugest, neatest, biggest coolest thing in young Star Trek fandom history in the early 80s uh, was a thing called the Ultimate Fantasy, and a group in Houston put this on. And basically, it had everybody but Leonard Nimoy, and even that almost changed, uh, right after the Wrath of Khan came out. And the New York Cons had started off the big convention uh, swing, and, and Star Trek fandom and conventions had become a huge, had become a huge thing. Uh, still on the edge, of course, not mainstream like today, right? But, uh, <laughs> but still a still a, a thing to the fans themselves. And this was going to be not just a convention, but a rock concert. And they'd rented the hall, the uh, the NBA arena, the, then the summit in Houston. It seated seventeen thousand people. It was going to be three shows, and not just a Q and A and signing, but they had a regular convention going on Houston Con, and this was a tacked-on uh, additional thing. If you think about all the sidebar shows, say like in Vegas, uh, wrapped up in one times ten or something, <laughs> because it was the original cast. And of course, there was only one cast then. Sure. We didn't have no bloody A, B, or C or D. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, we literally, literally didn't have the A. Uh, and it was going to be uh, a laser show, an orchestra, and and a playlet that Walter Koenig wrote, and um, uh, just this really rock concert kind of thing, never been done before, and it was all wonderful. Full page ad, Starlog magazine, which pre-internet was the way you you know was the uh, kind of the high bar of communication in, in sci-fi community. And anyway, people showed up, and anyway, the long story short was the thing was I, I say is it was it was a meltdown. Nobody showed up that was supposed to. The inner, tight little inner circle of people were kind of just in denial that the last few days and weeks that it didn't take off. Lots of there were hundreds of people there, but they had banked and budgeted on thousands. Mm. And um, 
the amazing thing about it, and not just that this was a train wreck, and that's not what attracted me to it, because people since then have had you know cons that went south or sure. whatever. But the thing was that there were the original cast, and I say that, like I said, without Nimoy, but uh, Harv Bennett, the producer, everybody, Merritt Buttrick, and the late Merritt Buttrick, and Kirstie Alley. I was going to ask, yeah. And a couple of extras. Um we're all there in town for this with all their varied experience, the, old, the, you know, the veterans having done cons and them not, and uh, the fans, the dealers, and the circle of the, the, the Houston fan circle that put this on who really didn't know what was going on until the Friday, you know, the Friday everything kind of coll- collapsed and um, crazy things happened. Hotel locking people out of their rooms because they hadn't been paid really. And, wow. Um, <laughs> And where it came back around for me personally was, and like I said, people go, "Oh yeah, we went to the, we went to Fred's Con in '92, and boy, that was a disaster." You know, that's all well and good, and sadly, those things have happened. And most of the time, they've been bright-eyed fans, just you know, their reach exceeded their grasp. Or, and and this too was a case of people being on the train and a very tiny crew not realizing, I mean, just not being unable to stop the train. They they just went over the cliff with the train, and rather than being able to stop it. And the thing about this was, aside from it being so far back in our innocence <laughs> and so far back with the original cast and all that, um, everybody decided for various reasons to make a go of it. And again, this wasn't just a hotel with a ballroom you know, or a stage and seating. This was a Basco, an NBA arena where they had the rock concerts. Wow. You know, not one, but three shows, Jeez. two on Saturday one on Sunday and lasers and, and or and yeah and what was left of the <laughs> and what was left of the orchestra no wow. and and my whole crossing paths with this you know for years I've wanted to get out of just words and get into pictures and uh, gotten to do a few video projects and doing my little things on my blog but really uh, you know Star Trek was the lather was 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 foaming down just about the time I was really wanting to to jump over here and. A year ago, I was back home at our hometown SoonerCon in Oklahoma City uh, with a dead dog party and heard a guy across the room talking about the ultimate fantasy. Or, and I did not make up the title, by the end of the weekend, among the many choice epithets people were saying, somewhere between in love and in derision, (laughs) uh, and it was just a two-week-old movie at the time, so it was very fresh on everybody's minds, but one of the people – somebody came up with the Con of Wrath. Mm, That's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, the ultimate fiasco, the ultimate this, the ultimate that, and somebody came up with the con of rap. So I went over, and a guy named Bill Parker was telling Houston ultimate fantasy stories from 82, and I thought, oh, my God. And I I was talking to him about it, and it turns out he was the tech director for the stage that had been fired on Friday because the corporation went bankrupt. But he was the only one that had all the cues in his head and a lot of the – you know. it was, you know, it was a, it was an eleventh hour get the show together thing anyway, and then to have all this craziness enter into it. But anyway, um, he's telling me stories that are hysterical, and and just oh my god, kind of stories. And I'm thinking, my mind is thinking, oh my god, no one's, There was a story in Starlog magazine about three or four months later, and nothing since. And I thought, this has got to be interviewed. And he told me his the most of the the circle are still in Houston. And I thought, this has got to be put down on paper. And then I thought, no, click. My mind is clicking. Click. No, Larry, that was the 80s. <laughs> Let's get this on tape now. Let's get this on video. Let's get this recorded on film, people talking. And then I went click again in my brain and thought, no, this is going to be the thing you're going to do 
this is going to be your first film project or yeah. whatever. No, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Uh, just some way, somehow, on some small budget, some large budget, I don't know. But the more we talked, and then I thought, now let's not go plunging off the deep end here. And I'm telling a few people on the side that I know and uh, a cameraman uh, and a edit- professional editor that I know here around California who are varying shades of their fanishness or fan appreciation, but both of them are professionals and said, oh, my God, I want to work on this with you. I'm like, wait, 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 I don't have a budget. I'm not working on money or anything yet. I'm like, I don't care. You get money, we'll talk about it. I just want this is this is this is a great story. It's a everybody's looking at it as a riches to rags to riches story because it's not just about the meltdown. I call it from meltdown to miracle. Well, that's good. <laughs> or uh, you know, or something like you know, that's that's one of the working bylines for sure. it. But because that's part of it. It's not just the fact that it crashed and burned. It's that the first responders showed up and <laughs> and revived the patient long enough for everybody to have fun. And that actually that that was the cast also sticking it out too, right? That's what I'm saying. Everybody in their own circles. The the Houston bunch, the fans, the dealers that jumped in back at the regular convention that had been kind of, you know, bled dry to help support the other thing, uh, the big show, them and and especially but not only, all everybody from Hollywood mm. that decided to jump in. Now in their you know uh, in their way of looking at things, they come into town for this thing they've been told is a huge deal, and there's billboards and everybody knows about it. And here's the full page ad and Starlog. And they figure out what's going on, and they see the fans locked out of rooms. Everybody's sitting on luggage, and they go, "Oh my god!" And you know, the instinct can be to turn tail and run. And and several of them realize, uh, "Now wait a minute! If we leave, we had nothing to do with this. We just had this movie come out. It's a blockbuster. It's just put the franchise kind of back on the map and given us some excitement. And the last thing we need is the na- local and national media, mainstream media." You know, sticking Star Trek and Paramount in the same phrase as this, you know, swindling the fans and debunking this and and whatever. So they decided to stick it out and stay and, you know, made it doubly memorable. And not that that's ever happened before. I know there was a Firefly convention that, that had the same thing happen and the cast hung around, you know, and made it worth a day or so. But, I, you know, if not a weekend. But that was, you know, a, a, a hotel lobby. <laughs> right. And this was this was like I said an NBA arena, uh, three shows and getting through the weekend and uh, a hotel that cooperated and you know people working it out and and getting through the weekend and um, uh, just kind of a, just an amazing thing and so big that it's not just about how did it happen, uh, how it is how is it planned and how did this you know how did it happen but then what did everybody do in reaction right. And and the group that's this group is still pretty close there in Houston. It's like they have this own wacky little piece of history, and they all have this fond spot in their hearts for. And I think almost anybody that was there. Now I know a lot of people got burned, a lot of people, you know, left. But the the national people that had flown in were like, well, we've got nothing else to do. We might as well <laughs> stick that. And everybody has this you know weird little spot in their heart for the the convention that fell apart but went on. And uh, and I say convention again. It was a huge the, the the ultimate fantasy was was called the ultimate fantasy. Sure. So so when I figured that it was producible and that and I thought a lot of the Hollywood people would talk and the cast would still you know the D and Jimmy aren't around obviously, uh, but they were still around and would talk hopefully and and have been and the fans the the Houston bunch are all still pretty much in Houston, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna the two cool things are one in the spirit of Kickstarter type projects. I'm going to throw it open. I'm going to have something on the site to have 
thank you tchotchkes for uh, and freebie uh, premium things for people if they can you know donate throw something in with all the caveats of of you know your this is your you know st- no strings attached but i'm promising this much for you um at each level and also just looking for people that were there who might because we can't afford to jump around the country and get get to that and and have a, a video submission process probably through youtube and we're going to detail that pretty quickly oh that's cool awesome yeah yeah, so everybody locally can do that. So that's the con of wrath, and I had a had a have had a pretty good uh, public relations splash so far. A lot of people carried the story last week, and uh, I've been sneak peeking it. If people have seen me at conventions this spring, but. right? Yeah, we've we've heard about it for a little while, but we didn't actually have any details. Larry even kept that from us, so that should give you guys an idea. <laughs> now it's a fantastic idea, and we're totally intrigued. I know that we ran the story. Um, last week as well and uh, had a pretty good uh, turnout from that um, and a lot of people are, are really excited about it and it's made the the rounds around you know star trek uh internet blogs and star trek stuff it's amazing how much stuff is on the internet and how many people do the same thing that we do maybe not the same thing but just the the whole media you know fan driven media there's right. so much stuff going on so it's actually kind of a perfect time for you to do it really i mean so many- Yes, I mean, well, you know, one thing, and, and here's the thing I do want to say up front to everybody that there's a chance this, I mean, I, I also thought to myself, um, there's a chance this might not hang together as a documentary. At the very least, I'm, we're going to get an oral history down of something that's, that certainly deserves it. And we've already been doing that, and we've been doing it from the LA side of things. And I won't say much more than that aside from um, so far, thank you, Walter, and thank you, Harv. <laughs> <laughs> But um, and bless your hearts. But um, uh, and they were both Hard Bennett and Walter Kenny were both very involved with the way things unfolded on the ground. Mm. Probably even more so than anybody else there, actually. Aside from behind the scenes, I mean. But um, there's a chance that we get to everybody, and you know, there's just not enough there there to make a documentary. But I think it will be. Just from what I was based and what I everything I keep picking up and, and when I describe it to other people, everyone thinks it's it's really valid that way. So uh, we don't have an end game uh, yet, as far as well, what are you going to do, DVD or? But I mean, my basic thing is to do do festivals, try to do some kind of a, a you know a DVD uh, process. I don't know whether it'll be hooked up officially with Paramount or CBS or or not at the end. Again, that depends on what we come up with and if it'll be 30 minutes or an hour or 90 minutes or or what right it's going to take us where it's going to take us and i have a basic idea and like i said the basic arc of a of a riches to rags to riches story and 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 the heroism as well as the wackiness and you know the sadness and the tragedy and uh and ha- and the old trek spirit coming through at the end oh, yeah. for all different reasons even from the even from the pro guys so that's one caveat i'm throwing out there but um I have a lot of confidence, and everybody I talk to about it seems to have the same confidence. So I already uh, want to see it too. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually just want to see what you have so I far. Oh, totally. And I've and I've uh, I've already had people throwing other ideas for you know somebody uh, tweeted or something about what about the the last New York big convention the crazy crazy when the fire marshal shut down. Well, that would be great too, but you know we need to get people to, to talk about. It. And the thing is, the clock is ticking, and we've already you know for a lot of this stuff. You know, the actors have been interviewed to death about the same old things, and I think maybe some of us are just now realizing. Uh, well, I mean, I'd like to think I was. We were thinking these ways a few years ago because we got Joan Winston, 
who worked on those committees and wrote the book about the making of the Trek conventions. Mm. Uh, she died just a couple years ago. We got an interview with her in, the communicator, and Shirley Mayuski, who was not the founder but the longtime runner, director of the Star Trek Well Committee and got the nickname of uh, Grandma Star Trek. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we got interviews with them that were uh, right just a couple years before each of them died in the early earlier part of the last decade. So a lot of our history we need to be getting down now that we have the media to do it so easily. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know it's it, it it's a great time for you to even be able to to create um your own documentary. I mean, 10 15 years ago you wouldn't have even been able to do it um just because of the technology and stuff. So yeah, this is a, a perfect right. time. So The other concern of mine is visuals. And we're going to try to do some recreation on the scene of the crime, as it were. Not not literally, but go back, <laughs> go back to the uh, venues. But we're hoping to have a lead on some footage taken from the time. Oh, wow. So Very cool. Got to see what shape and all and how much there is. But we'll need that. And, I mean, there was just a great documentary that came out about conventions in the Bay Area in California up around you know, San Francisco. Not just Trek conventions, although that was one of the things that got out on YouTube but uh, for a trailer. But – and the weird thing is, I've I've heard from a couple the, the the guys in Houston, they had a long tradition, just like we did everywhere. I mean, our Oklahoma City tradition, a fandom, you know, from the seventies onward. And right. Tulsa, every everybody around the country has, and it's almost like we may. I I get this vibe that maybe we'll have this now that everybody has media in their pocket, that we'll have this breakout of everybody celebrating their own local fandoms and preserving some of this stuff. I I think Ultimate Fantasy and the Con of Wrath is a great story with wide appeal that plays around the country uh but i think and i don't know that you'd have that everywhere for every everything Mm -hmm. but i think everybody's feeling the need to get their you know like everybody does with every other aspect of their history and their local history and their folk history getting it preserved and getting the photos and getting people interviewed and getting that archive set up so no that makes sense that that totally makes sense i mean if you think about it trek fandom has been around for well, since the original series, so since '66, and it has it, it's actually reaching a higher momentum now because of the new movies and there's so many conventions and it's the 50, 50th anniversary or I'm sorry, 45th anniversary of the original series. So I mean, it's just going to keep going. So it's a good idea to start earlier to actually pre- preserve some of this for future fans. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say a few weeks ago I fell on my chair when I was thinking not so much about the 45th anniversary, but that means in five years we'll have the 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. And that's just kind of – that kind of makes you stop in your tracks more yeah. than – It kind of killed me, uh, what, 2007, the 20th anniversary of TNG. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. So next year will be the 25th of TNG. Wow. You know, because I remember obviously being a kid, nineteen eighty six. I remember, you know, twenty fifth of the original series, and thinking how long ago that seemed. And now, looking back twenty five years to the beginning of the next generation, it doesn't seem, you know, like any times <laughs> yeah, past. Totally. So. And you know, I'm I'm still bummed that we don't have a series. And I still think as as great as the movies are right now, and as you know, they've been controversial in different ways, but it's certainly pump new life and new blood into fandom and brought tons of people in and the under 30 crowd and is <laughs> <laughs> in the crass sound of a hollywood market guy you know we're gonna get old and expire and die so there's a lot of you know despite what they think the stereotype there are actually a lot of trek fans who are reproducing right and <laughs> yeah exactly i know it's funny and they are having offspring, and they're raising the kids right. But even even beyond that, there's, there's, they're coming in that way. But um, 
the the uh, the whole thing about the the TV era and the Berman era shutting down in '05, and people were so depressed. And and I think we should have a TV show back on as soon as possible. But one thing it's done, and I blogged about this, and then Ron Moore stole my idea. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it had a much more widely circulated piece was. Don't look at this as the end of Star Trek. Look at the beginning of, of personal fandom again. And we've mm. kind of gone back to the oh, yeah. 70s and 80s. Right. And everything from zines to, to different spin-off fandoms to you – know, now cosplay is a verb that everybody knows <laughs> out of anime and manga. And now, now you don't just wear a costume at a con. You, I'm cosplaying, and, um, which I used to think meant you were actually doing the character, not just parading around and something. But anyway, yeah, that's but what that's, I understood it to be too. That's yeah, that, does it not that we're beyond that apparently oh. now. Oh, okay. So. You know, you don't. People don't just go Xerox things anymore. They photocopy them now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Photostat. Yeah. Photostat. Just, <laughs> Mimeograph. That's yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah. Send this to Mimeo. Yeah. But um, and then you have not, to sniff it not, after it's. Yeah. Oh my God! How you got a legal high in the first grade? <laughs> not and not the black video, Mimeos, but oh, the, yeah. stencil, the Stetner stencils. The, yeah. the purple. Yes, purple. Purple. Ones. Ones. Yep. Totally. Okay, wow, we we're, just dated we're, ourselves. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's totally funny. So, you know, it's we drifted away, but there's, you know, the things about people making um taking fandom back a little bit and making it their own and and preserving. And part of that's preservation and uh uh I don't you know, I I've got to get this thing done, but I people are already saying, "Well, what do you want to do next?" and and, "Oh, you should come over and do this." And I just hope wherever everybody is that they're saving their their 60s and 70s and 80s mm. you know yeah. and 90s um fandom histories wherever they are yeah and, yeah definitely yeah because you know i find myself on youtube all the time looking up because there's quite a bit of old convention footage on youtube uh, that's out there mm-hmm. um and i find myself looking at that stuff all the time so yeah i mean as a fan and a longtime fan i could only imagine someone who just kind of gets into star trek and then seeing this giant backlog or resource of, you know, all of these archived interviews and, and convention footage and just details about your, you know, your new thing, your newfound, you know, hobby or, or you know, love oh, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. So, no, this is, this is awesome. And I think... Pick out, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think everybody really, honestly, if you have, you know, even like, you know, flyers from old conventions... Hang on to that stuff. Well, that's I see. I've always been weird because I've always been a history buff and a news person as much as a, as well as a fan and a football fan and other things. And from the seventies onward, I've kept program books and flyers. And I would go to cons and pick up flyers, not because I wanted to go to the cons, but I would just pick up really interesting ones. Um, you know, of course, I've got. Not and not a ton of boxes. <laughs> I, I, I this is the way my sick little mind works. I'll see all this stuff and think, you know, I'm going to collect this, and someday this is going to be museum stuff. Oh yeah, oh, so yeah, totally. They're going to want this, and 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 back home, I would be all home proud and say, and someday Oklahoma's fandom history needs to be preserved, and the Southwest, you know, and then greater draw the radius a little wider to Texas and Kansas and Arkansas and Missouri, and say, and someday the Southwest's fandom history needs to be preserved mm. and i actually got to, and and um and also catalogs and flyers you know like if i say the words federation trading post and new i studio much less lincoln enterprises mm. yeah which of course is roddenberry.com sure. um some of their catalogs and things from over the years oh and, wow uh, so you actually have some lincoln enterprises uh catalogs that's awesome 
Yeah, yeah, the paper, you know, paper things. And when David Gerald was selling his triples, and he called it his company the Dage Company, David, <laughs> and you could uh, do that. But at the end, you get into the '90s and the aughts, and I just think about things being, you know, uh, I'm trying to do the new, the new, new, new thing, and we're cranking out all these shows, and we're all into keeping up with the productions and the movies, and during the the lather of Star Trek years, mm. and stuff sits in boxes, and I and I have it, and if I'm writing something, I can go. I've got it to go pull and research from, just because that's how far back I go. But with things, and I've got the sources, and then the but the the turnaround of the last five or six years, and the beauty of the JJ fandom, or the little kids being raised by their reproducing parents, fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I, I see a story, and they they put the. Uh, I mean, they put. The, the uh, album that Gene and Dee and Shatner did and Mark Leonard did in the 70s called Inside Star Trek with the blueprint on oh, the right, right, yeah. So it was a vinyl album. And then 10 years ago, it came out on DVD, uh, teamed up with um, the motion picture uh, remix soundtrack. And it was a big deal then. And I went, oh, yeah, there's lots of people that haven't, haven't – uh, probably have never heard – I'm thinking, duh, people have never heard those – Bits that I go back and quote from when people talk about Vulcan biology and how you have a ha- – you know, they were talking about re- how to f- explain that back then. Mm. But then like a year or two or three ago, here's this thing on, you know, online that's suddenly hot news, hot news. Oh, Shatner and Roddenberry talk about you – know, or, or, uh, or Mark Leonard and Roddenberry talk about Vulcan biology or Shatner. Here's Shatner. <laughs> I think that's from our article. <laughs> yeah, and well, not well. You guys <laughs> forget what the spark was, but no, totally. suddenly this, and I went, "Wow, there's a new discovered." It. Oh no, this is the old thing. Wait, now wait a minute. This was just out on the DVD. This was just. Oh well, that was ten years ago. <laughs> it's like, yes, this is new. The oh, point yeah. is, it's new to a whole new wave of people. And my God, ninety nine was baby internet days. So, sure. Yeah. Definitely. You know, so um, even even that was nothing. So I got to I'm getting getting myself over this, uh, you know, not not denigrating the the material. If we all want to worship the material and dig it out and get it in the light of day, but just real thinking that it's been it's old and everybody's seen it already and it's stuck back in boxes and it's in the corners of your you know in the windmills of your mind or whatever. And um, and no, it's like no, everything needs to be gotten out and looked at again because. So many have come into fandom that everything is cool and new. And there's a uh, one of my Twitter girl, a uh, Twitter Twitter girls. That sounded to me <laughs> uh, or interesting. One of the two uh, uh, <laughs> was all excited. Uh, uh, oh, what's her thing? Yeah, Star Trek wreck. Oh, yeah, Lisa yeah. Lynn. Yep. Uh, is all thrilled because we were talking the other day about Joan Winston and her book about making of the cons, and she. The other cool thing about the internet is you can actually find things, you know, between eBay and, and Amazon oh, and things right. that were out of print and found a paperback version of the making of the Trek conventions or how I threw a party for 50,000 of my closest friends <laughs> that Joni wrote. And um, uh, she was, you know, tweeted me the picture and she wrote it and found, she found it and got it and was going to read. And, and, cool. and she and somebody else were talking about, look how young everybody looks in the black and white pictures. And I was like <laughs> – well, of course. And then I went, well, no, that's kind of condescending. Don't say that. <laughs> so I went to say, so I said, well, I said, well, they don't call it the 45th anniversary for nothing, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah, but, exactly. But, it's, um, but to remember that that's, you know, there's an awful lot of people out there that are just now, you know, it's, and it's very, at the risk of sound like a horribly old fogey, it's really invigorating to uh, remember 
whatever year, whatever decade, whatever series was the high series on at the time, your first, like you were saying a while ago, your first bite of fandom and your excitement and your passion. And You know, I've been a fan of Star Trek since Star Trek The Motion Picture, basically. And oh, I know the old days, right? <laughs> But the thing is, though, I didn't know that all this stuff existed until until recently anyway, because I wasn't connected into a fan club and I wasn't connected into conventions. Um, I had, you know, my Star Trek um, technical manual when I was a kid and I had books and I had other things. But, you know, like the the inside Star Trek thing you, you were talking about. I didn't know that existed until recently just because, you know, it, information wasn't as widespread as it is now. And I think it's kind of the glory days. Well, maybe not even the glory days, but it's a really cool time to be a Star Trek fan because there's so much stuff that we can dig into now. Well, and it's a good thing because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> 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 but it really is the downside of not having a series, at least one in production, is that everybody kind of took a big collective breath. I've, mm. I've I've started working on a blog post about this. Um, there was kind of this big breath. And in fact, you know, eight and ten years ago when the internets first got <laughs> big, there was a lot of – I don't want to say debate, but a lot of people were sitting around wondering would conventions slack off? Would everything – because everybody would just sit you know, with their Cheetos at their computer monitor in their ba- parents' basement and just do everything online and get their info fix right. online and forget about the human contact. And I think it kind of went that way for a while and not just – Trek fandom, but all you know, all the fandoms. And I think the last two, three, four years, not just because of JJ's movie, but you know, a lot of things. A lot of a lot of more sci-fi shows that come out. People are able to hook in and be fans easier, but they but then they do want to still get back and have that level. And they do still want to dress up, excuse right. me, cosplay. <laughs> they they do still want to do things visibly and public and still go and talk to people live face-to-face. Right. Then they go back and they friend them and Twitter them and like them and, and, and whatever, and they carry on the, the, the relationships. But people, you know, wondering if the, if the Vegas Trek convention would fall apart when the experience collapsed and mm. you know, went away and all that kind of thing and, and how the new JJ fandom would merge into old fandom. And that's just the, the Trekland corner of the world, of, right. the, of the fandom universe. And it's almost like we've had a resurgence – in, in Trek and even beyond of all the other fandoms and genres and things of the people, the human contact. It's almost as if the human adventure is just beginning. That's perfect. <laughs> That's totally perfect. <laughs> but I, you know, that. it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, almost like uh, humanity won't make dunsels. I mean, technology won't make dunsels out of all of yeah. this. So. Yeah. It's funny. I think maybe the social media aspect has probably played a little bit into that. Um, I know for us, Exactly, our, our exactly. Because yeah. in the internet wave uh, – I'll shut up in a second. The internet wave, <laughs> decade ago, the second wave, you know, whatever they used to call it, Web 2.0 or whatever, but the, the social media wave put back that. Even though it was still online, you still had to have something underpinning social media. Right. Yep, definitely. At some point in your life, you probably talked to those other people that you – most of them that you're doing. So, right, yeah. Yeah, that's what actually drew us to, um, to uh, VegasCon. You know, it's just us talking to all these people that had started following the site, following our Twitter account, interacting with them, and then finding out that they were going to be there at Vegas. And, you know, a lot of them I can call friends now because of because of the social media aspect of it, sure, but because of Star Trek, uh, Star Trek fandom. You know, I got to say, though, uh, speaking of Star Trek, the motion picture, and this is kind of off topic, um, but as a kid, I actually got the soundtrack 
to Star Trek, the motion picture mm-hmm. on LP. It was like, you know, 79, 80, whenever the, the soundtrack was released. Um, I guess it would be 80 cause it was December of 79 when the movie came out. Um, but about three years later, I discovered something called rap music and I wanted to scratch on my Fisher press, uh, record player. <laughs> so of course the first thing that I used was my star Trek the motion picture soundtrack. Oh God. Everybody out there is cringing. Yes. I totally, I totally derailed the the conversation here. I'm just trying to think of you rapping it. Are you sure this wasn't like new wave rap or something? (laughs) Punk rap? (laughs) I mean, Blondie had rapture. Right. A little Run DMC, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely Run DMC because that was like, you know, that was a big wave when we were kids. I mean, it was like, you know. But yeah, anyway, I decided to use my Star Trek, the motion picture soundtrack for that. So. And you cry every night. I do cry. When you think yeah, about it. I do cry in my but sleep. But did you at wail. least keep the envelope, the, the album liner paper, which had all the costume shots of all the aliens oh. in the tram scene? That, that Unless you got Susan Sackett's book, you had no idea about any of that stuff? No, I didn't know that existed. You know, I probably ate that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Did you eat paper back then? I probably did. There's no telling. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was back before you had to label the paper you ate. You, know, you could just choosy mothers could choose uh, you know, golden tea paper or whatever. Just had confidence that you know, the government didn't have to regulate the food content. Just spitball paper. Yes, man. So you know, the 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 site that you have for the the documentary is that theconofwrath.com. It's theconofwrath.com, okay. which is a page out of my you know, main LarryNemichek.com uh, site. And we have a Facebook page, of course. So if everybody could go like our page. Definitely. And if you haven't, if you haven't liked uh, my Trekland Facebook page, please do that. So between that and my mailing list on my uh, regular site page, we'll keep everybody up to date, including when we roll out exactly what will be um, – the different gift levels, but basically from a ten dollars up to a thousand dollars. Okay, you know people can give what they would like to, and they don't have to, obviously, but it'd be much appreciated. And everybody who gives something will have some kind of a screen credit, and we'll have you know mugs and shirts for the higher ends. And uh, if you if you really do a thousand, it'll be a you we're going to do some kind of a credit, like an associate producer credit or something for those folks. But, you, uh, you know, T-shirts or, or at the very bottom end, um, you know, for the uh, um, wallpaper, you know, kind of a thing or something. So, uh, like I said, my friend uh, Neil Halford is our DP, cameraman, co-producer, whatever. And uh, David Dobson, uh, who has is a professional editor, has edited uh, some lots of things professionally, documentaries and uh uh, montage packets for things. Uh, he jumped in and he's editing, g- going to edit for us. And my old best friend, uh, Kevin Hopkins, my veteran best friend, I should say, uh, who's a great artist, illustrator, and has a great site of his own. Um, he's doing the logo, already done a great Conifrath logo that you hopefully people are seeing. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we've got the filming started and it's going to be a while. Like I said, I don't know if we'll hit the 30th anniversary next June in 2012. Which was totally a just a happy tangent, happy. Coincidence. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, and now that they're if they're pushing the movie back, that'll keep Trek fever going all year long. None of that was planned. It's just that I went, I just happened to catch uh, Bill Parker talking from across the room uh, almost a year ago this weekend, and um, 
and I thought, oh my God, I've got to do this. And that's how it started. So that's awesome. that's awesome. And I just realized that it's almost 30 years since the Wrath of Khan came out. So that makes me feel right. really old. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Star Trek fandom is all about these days, Chris. It's just feeling old. Just reminding us how old we are. Not feeling young like when the world was new, but feeling old. I was going to say, if you go to the Wrath of Khan site, there's a video of me kind of introducing the idea and getting people up to speed on that. And I do my my unintentional B.B. Besh impersonation. <laughs> So was she there also? Uh, no, she wasn't. Okay. Actually. And what about Ricardo? Was he there? No. It okay. was the original original cast and the kids. Gotcha. And apparent and Nimoy was not, which I knew which obviously we all knew, and then just heard recently talking to the guys getting prepped for this that he was an eleventh hour request to come and uh, they turned him away. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. They turned either him away. Either out of either out of humanity <laughs> depending <laughs> on who talks to him. Or um, or uh, the stated reason was they thought, well, it was just a few days before, and they'd already had the programs and the, and the schedules all made up, and how would they stick him into it? And Yeah, because you couldn't include Spock. I mean, that's, yeah. that would be too much work. <laughs> yeah. Die for a surprise appearance by somebody. <laughs> that's what the Germans say. It's not on a schedule. It's not on a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. So, Connorath.com, TreklandBlog.com. Uh, LarryNimichek.com. You can get yeah. to it from all those places, and you guys can go out there and uh, donate. I don't mean to sound crass and greedy, but a lot of fans enjoy doing that, and we and it's not detailed right now, but it will be, or as of we're speaking, but within a week or two of us talking here, that will be up. And also the process for people to – if you were there, where were you in 82, as we were saying? Uh, a process for everybody to uh, you know home record a, a, a memory if you have got a, if you've got a great story. Uh, from that weekend and you were there uh, share it with us and it may get into the movie that's cool that's awesome yeah totally. and if you pledge at the $25,000 level I'll find you a <laughs> Star Trek the motion picture soundtrack <laughs> and send it to you I'll buy you PBS yes if you pledge. <laughs> no that's awesome and and it's cool I mean I know that it's probably a necessity but it's cool that you can get fans involved uh, and they can contribute to this in one way, shape, or form. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't mean to link those two things. You don't have to donate. I mean, send me your send us your video memory. You don't have to do any, you know, money donation to do. It's not a. It's not a. What's what's the phrase for that? Uh, need not be need not be present to win. You know, no, uh, it's not a requirement. Yeah, it's not a requirement at all. At okay. all. Okay. Uh, and if you weren't there, feel uh, you know. Please jump in and with everybody. And I'll just say very quickly that this crazy thing called acting that I got back into, thanks to some uh, some Trek roots of mine, um, but in a totally non-Trek project. So there's a there's a spoiler. <laughs> Divine White's introduction to Hollywood. Uh, I was in the grand finale. It's a web series, five minute, five to ten minute episodes. So it's very digestible, but it's very British. I'm one of the two Yanks in it. And if you go to divine-white.com or look at check it out on YouTube, all six episodes are up as of the time you're posting this. So, um, and it's very funny. Uh, thank you, thank you. It's if you like The Office or Spinal Tap, uh, it's it's in that vein, only with the British slant. Brits <laughs> in L.A. the second, the third invasion, I guess. And uh, and then that's, apart from that, we'll see everybody at uh, Comic Con, Lost in the Mob, and Vegas, where we will not be lost in the yep. mob. Yep, totally. and we'll be there at Vegas too, and and uh, it'll be a good time that uh, that'll be had by all. And for those out there, for the kids out there, it's Divine Dash White. If you don't know what a hyphen is, 
divine <laughs> dash white. Because you know that happens. I mean, people don't use double spaces at the end of sentences now, and the world's just going to anyway. <laughs> well, Chris, that's typing. Printing <laughs> <laughs> spaces. Oh, that's good. But yeah, check that out. Check out uh, Larry's sites, and you know, see if you can support. Um, the Con of Wrath in one way, shape, or form. And we're absolutely pleased that you came on here to talk about it some more. Thank you for having me. We'll keep, we will keep everybody updated as we, as we make progress. So if you're on the lists, if you're on the Con of Wrath list or you're on um, if the Trekland list, we'll, or, or you contribute or you know, whatever, uh, we'll have a list and send out the updates as we, as we you know, make progress over the next year. Very cool. Awesome. You yeah. have to premiere it at South by Southwest, so you'll be out here in Austin. Yes. You have a place oh my to God! I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, yeah that would be incredible. Because, and one last thing I'll say: I'm really hoping that this transcends just the, the Trek circuit. Right. Oh yeah. Really love for this to be a human interest thing that uh, it goes beyond the the Trek world. So it totally sounds like it's going to be. We'll see how that. We have high hopes. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it could you know be something that's better than than what's out there. Like, not that Trekkies was bad, but it kind of showed fandom and maybe not the greatest light. And since Trek Nation is kind of stalled, um, this could be fantastic. So, Although we have high hopes, Rod says Rod says Trek Nation is is back on track and very close to being there. So oh, overall, cool! That's news. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a month. I saw him a couple months ago or whatever, and he was talking about that. That's so, awesome. So. Very cool. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Chris. Yeah. Thanks. And charity. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yep. It's good talking to you again. Yeah. You too. Thanks. Bye bye. So that was episode 12 of Subspace Communique's Life After Trek. We had a blast interviewing Larry, and he gave us tons of insight into his new documentary, The Con of Wrath. If you guys want to check out uh, his website, that's treklandblog.com or larrynimichek.com. Uh, you can also learn more about The Con of Wrath at both of those sites or theconofwrath.com. Uh, you can go there to uh, donate to the cause, uh, whether it be your insight into uh, the ultimate fantasy in 1982 or monetarily. Larry, I'm sure, would appreciate any help he could get uh, making this happen. And I know we would, too, because we actually want to see it come to fruition. Um, it sounds like a fantastic idea. So if you haven't been to our site, it's subspacecommunicate.com. Uh, you can check us out there. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, twitter.com slash subspacecoms, and Facebook, facebook.com slash subspacecoms. You can subscribe to Subspace Communique's Life After Trek on iTunes. Uh, you can also check out older episodes there where we've interviewed other former Star Trek cast and crew. Uh, we'd like to give a shout-out to a couple of podcasts that we really dig. Uh, that'd be the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at scifidinerpodcast.com. Uh, Scott and Miles always do a fantastic show over there. Uh, we also like to give a shout out to Geek Fights. Damon and the boys always do a battle royale of different uh, fights between different uh, things and stuff. And hey, and sometimes girls participate. And sometimes girls participate. <laughs> you can check them out at geekfights.net. Uh, we have a couple more shows in the queue. Uh, we actually pushed out the roundtable discussion that we've talked about in, in a couple of the other episodes that we've done recently um, that's coming up. We thought it was important to get this episode out because it's very timely and, and wanted to give you guys more of an insight into the Con of Wrath, uh, but that's coming shortly. Uh, but be sure to check us out on iTunes, check out our website, and until next time, live long and prosper.
we had a blast, blah, blah, blah. I got to swallow the foam. <laughs> you need another drink of water. Dude, I'm dying. It's hot in here. It is hot in here. Is it's air conditioning. It's like 100 degrees outside. Ugh. It's like Vulcan. <laughs> wah, wah. Wish I had some Plomique soup. <laughs> that would be hot. Hot on a hot day? No. What's a, what's a refreshing beverage? I don't think they have anything refreshing, refreshing in Vulcan. Vulcan beverage. Can't you be refreshed and not have emotions at the same no. time? totally can mm, i am refreshed <laughs> exactly refresh doesn't have to be an emotion it's just a state of being yes i think this is something that, that is correct handled on geek fights that is very logical <laughs> okay we also have backlogs of star of holy crap <laughs> we do not have backlogs of holy crap <laughs> <laughs> man this is going to be one crazy edit it's so hot in here. It is hot. It's very hot. You know, you can always say it's the, it's the equipment malfunctioning because of the heat. Yeah. There you go. Booyah. 